<laughs> What's up, everybody? Uh, welcome to the Performance Message Show. I hope you guys can see me, uh, can hear me. Uh, we are live uh, from uh, Australia this week. Um, huge thank you to uh, uh, everybody on the team for kind of coming together and, and, and helping make this happen. Uh, yesterday we did a little test run and everything went okay. Um, can you guys, can you guys hear me? Okay. Everything good. Um, I'm assuming so. It looks like we're live on Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, as well as YouTube. Uh, good day to you, mate, Mark, uh, <laughs> Brandon, what's up, man? I knew you'd be here. I, I, I knew you couldn't handle not seeing my face for, for a week. Uh, I love you, man. Thanks for being here, Brandon. Uh, Roel, what's up, man? Jack, what's up? Good day to you, Mark. Uh, who else we got in here? D Lynn, what's up? Um, let's see. Uh, where else are we? Cool. Cool. Love you guys. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, I guess it's the morning for me. Uh, Dr. Rogers will be on the show. We're going to answer all your, um, health and wellness questions. Bianca, what's up? Lisa, what's up? Thank you for sharing as always. Um, okay, so we're all good uh, from a uh, technical standpoint. Uh, people are kind of, uh, are we buffering, Jack? Am I buffering? I'm going to try not to move as much because I know sometimes that throws things off. Um, is my uh, tech okay? Let me know, and we'll try to make some adjustments here. It says I'm fine. I'll get Doc in here in just a second. Um, before that, you guys, let me know. Let me know how you, if you see me okay and, and hear me okay. Um, the Performance Weekly uh, went out uh, earlier today. We had a couple new videos go out up on YouTube, both the Performance Medicine channel as well as the Diabetes Tour Guide. Um, the Diabetes Tour Guide was an interview with uh, Sheila Michael, um, who's a, a close friend of ours uh, from where uh, from in Oak Ridge. Uh, she was diagnosed with type 1 at the age of 31 uh, and had four kids. Like, it's just such a, a, an amazing uh, video. I, I can't um, emphasize this enough. If you know a type 1 diabetic, if you know a parent of a type 1 diabetic, please send them to the Diabetes Tour Guide. Uh, Andy Rogers, my brother, uh, is doing interviews with... Uh, with uh, all sorts of uh, type one diabetics, uh, as well as type two, where it, it's it's not only type one, it's type two as well. So uh, definitely check this out. It's an inspiring interview with Sheila Michael. Huge shout out to Sheila for doing that with us. Uh, and then on the Common Sense MD up on the Performance Medicine YouTube channel, uh, we had somebody we've been trying to get on the show for a long time. A close friend of ours um, actually played a huge role um, uh, in the genesis of performance medicine. Uh, you know, 17, 18 years ago, that's uh, Diana Harshbarger, who's also our congresswoman in our area. Uh, her and Dr. Rogers talk about healthcare, where it's at, where it's going. And I, and I, I will tell you guys, there's nobody who knows it better than, than Diana. Um, so definitely that 30 minutes is well, well worth it. Um, check that out if, you, if you're interested in like uh, what's happening with the, the cost of your medications, uh, what PBMs, uh, pharmacy benefit managers have to do with it. Uh, definitely check that out. And then on uh, Explain This, the star of the show, Robin Riddle, our nurse practitioner in our West Knoxville office, talks about the elemental diet. 
Uh, and if you guys have not heard of this, it's a super interesting uh, diet that's a prescription. Um, and she talks about how we use it in kind of a functional medicine space, talks a lot about IBS, Crohn's, um, I think even, um, gosh, there was some, there's one other condition that, um, this was used for, uh, it's, uh, I'm losing it. Um, but definitely check that out. Newest episode of explain this. Uh, so check that out. Katie, I miss you. Thank you for being here. I love you. Robin, what's up? Tell us more about the elemental diet. Uh, what was that other thing, Robin? Am I, am I missing, am I missing something? SIBO. God, thank you. Dang it. Uh, Robin, I'm sorry. Like SIBO was like the main thing. Uh, So check that out. If you know somebody with SIBO, if you have SIBO, um, that's one of those conditions that's um, super difficult to to treat. Robin talks about the elemental diet and how she's using it with that. So uh, definitely check that out. Um, Man, we're having such a good crowd tonight. Uh, Thank you all for being here. Uh, We're going to get up and running. Thank you, Roel. Uh, I think we're, it's freezing up a little. Dang it. I'm sorry. Uh, we'll, we'll see how we do. What's going on, pop. <laughs> Hello, Mike. <laughs> Have you been practicing that? How's Australia? Uh, I'll say mate a lot, you know, hanging around you, you guys, Australian people. I say mate quite a bit. Well, it, you look awesome, man. Your, your hair's finally, you know, it's growing out. I know you had a it is? cut here. Yeah. You're, really? you're yeah. Really- I know it is finally growing out. Yeah. Not like Andy's, but it's, it's okay. Are you on that minoxidil finasteride uh, combo? Yeah, Andy talked me into it. And happy, healthy hair. I and think happy, that's, healthy hair. That's the one that's doing it. You know, usually you're in Australia. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. I've, we talked a couple times, and I'm glad you're having a great time. Uh, he told me last night all I needed was a tasty wave and a cool buzz on the beach. <laughs> you know, usually you have the most boring background in your apartment. Mm-hmm. Or, your, or the Fountain City office. But what's that behind you tonight? Move these your are, head and let me. These are, uh, that's, that's I guess, Aussie, Aussie ladies. Um, yeah. uh, I'm in an Airbnb. Uh, so we got a, we got some artwork on the, uh, on the walls. And uh, honestly, it, it's, it's just, it's wonderful. The, the setup here is wonderful. And uh, we're, we're having a blast. Uh, it's hot buddies. there. Tell us, tell us a little bit about Australia. How is it? I know you've been there before playing tennis. How is it this time? Uh, it's super hot. Last time I was here, it was it was during the winter time, uh, but it's it's super hot. Uh, but it's beautiful. I'm in kind of a tropical area now, uh, on Hamilton Island, which is it's a group. It's a part of a group of islands, uh, I believe, in the north. So. Uh, we're kind of on the edge of the tropics. Um, so, so you're on you're on the Great Barrier Reef, right? Yes, yes, exactly. People come here to see the Great Barrier Reef. Um, but but having a blast. I certainly uh, I miss you. I miss our team. Um, I'm so thankful for everybody. Um, you know, kind of uh, just uh, keeping the 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 show going. And uh, I'm so glad. You know, you know, one thing. This is such a selfish act on my end. I. I uh, there's so many different no, people who could all. have done this. I, I, I love, I love doing this. I love being here with you guys. And, uh, no, this I is great. I'm glad you're able to take, take some time off and you deserve it. We miss you, but we're glad you're having a great time. Have fun. <laughs> Mark, have you learned any new phrases or anything? Um, uh, golly, uh, you're putting me on the spot here. Um, 
uh, shrimp on the Barbie is not a new one. Um, no, that's not new. One. I hear that one at Outback all the time. Restaurant. Barbecue, barbecue just means, you know, cooking out. So having a barbecue, okay. um, you say, oh, oh, here's what I did. I did know this. Uh, uh, in one of the towns we were in, um, there was a thing for mate rates. And, uh, and that's for like, you know, kind of, I guess a discount or something. So, uh, Katie, we got, we got to work on some, uh, some mate rates, uh, for, for everybody who, uh, is, is, uh, a part of this show. Um, it, for some reason I thought mate rates was like the coolest thing of all time. Uh, <laughs> mate rate. That's mate rate. Mate. Yeah. I'll give you a mate rate. Um, okay. We got so many questions. Um, so right. we're going to have to, we're going to have to jump into the show. Uh, Bianca, it is, uh, you're going to laugh at this. Um, it is 10 a.m. on Wednesday, December 6th. So um, so the hardest part of doing this show was figuring out what time 7 p.m. on Tuesday is in Australia. Uh, but we did it. We figured it out, and we're here. Uh, so we're going to answer all your shows, <laughs> all your shows, all your questions. Uh, if you have a question for Dr. Rogers, go ahead and put it in the uh, comments. Thank you guys for uh, being patient with us over the last week or so. Um, Doc, you ready to roll? I'm ready. Yeah. Uh, Katie's saying we got, we're, 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 you know, okay from a tech standpoint. So uh, if we freeze up, uh, let us know. We'll try to adjust. I'm going to try to keep as still as possible. Um, let's see here. Let's go. Um, this is one that came up yesterday on YouTube uh, that I really wanted to start off with. Um, how long can you take CJC with Ipamorlin before you need to cycle off? Uh, this is CJC twelve ninety five, I believe. Um, what's your What's your thoughts on this? Um, yeah, usually you can take it for several months. There's no tried and true rules about that, but I do recommend after you've been on it maybe six months, taking a month or two off. I just think it it works better. You won't build up the tolerance, um, and so we kind of like to pulse it like that a little bit. But that is my favorite peptide, by the way. Um, that combo. I really like that combo a whole lot, and um, uh, that's that's a good one. Let me ask you one question, so I hope that helps. So, a few months, you know, you could, gosh, you could probably take it longer than that. It's not going to hurt you, but I think it's more effective if you if you cycle off uh, some of these growth hormone producing uh, secretagogues. But um, let me ask you something while we're talking about health, and you know, I had the podcast today with. Uh, Congresswoman Harshbarger. Um, what kind of people do you see over there as far as healthy? Are they much healthier, thinner? Do you see a lot of obesity there? I mean, in general? No, um, no not a lot of obesity. Um, you know, everybody is super active. Like, you know, what people do for fun here is like swim and, and surf. And um, it seems to be super um, active, but also the foods, you know, um, uh, a tad bit healthier, I would imagine. Um, you know, it's, it seems to be a pretty healthy place, but mostly because, you know, you can be outside all the time. Now, the big thing here, and this is interesting because, um, you know, I've been hanging out with uh, a lot of friends who who live here and, and, and have parents here. The big thing here is skin cancer. So uh, the sun here is really different. And uh, by the time you're 40, you know, people are, are being very conscientious of their skin. And, and, um, so skin cancer is very prevalent. 
And uh, I'd be interested in what you what your thoughts on uh, besides just, you know, they they wear long sleeves. You know, they have. Oh, yeah. The sun's way more intense down there. You know, that from knowing the Australian tennis players in the past. Yeah, they they all look pretty rugged after if the tennis players do. If they've been out towards their whole life, their skin looks pretty weathered. Yeah, they look kind of bad. And there's a lot of fair skinned people there as well. But um, yeah. But yeah, I just wondered, I wonder, you know, you're in a port, a pretty laid back place too. resorts. You've been to those when you get to Sydney and some of the other towns, you might look around and see what they're like there. But do people seem to be a little more chill, a little more kickback yeah. and not as snappy as they are over here? Um, I, 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 you know, we'll, uh, I, one thing I just can't say enough about just the Australian people. They're so kind. They're so nice. Uh, it's very, it reminds me a lot of, uh, back home in, in Tennessee, like the people are so, so friendly. And, uh, and that's been, uh, that's been the best part is, is the people they've been so nice and, and welcoming. Uh, oh, this is interesting. I'm going to put this up here from Robin. Um, been researching in Australia, looking at a melanotan. Yeah. 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 Um, that's really interesting. And, you know, Rob has done explain this episode on uh, Melanotan 2, I believe. Um, and that's super cool. That's super cool. Great Katie point. loves that. Yeah. I, if I, I was I going down that. there, I would definitely be on Melanotan. Would you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Before um, I went. I, yeah. 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 As a protective measure. Um, yeah. I think, Robin, you were telling me uh, you've done something similar when you went to. Uh, uh, a, a place that was super hot and really sunny and you knew you were going to be out in the sun quite a bit. Um, all right, let's keep going guys. Uh, I'm seeing the comments. Thank you guys. Uh, Rachel, I love you. Steve, I love you. Thank you for being here, man. Um, let's keep going. Uh, Mexico. That's right. That's right. Um, all right, let's go to this question here. Uh, why do traditional doctors insist on telling patients, especially the elderly, not to take K2 with D because K can cause clotting. I assume even older people should still take K2 with their D. Um, that's super interesting. Great question. What's your thoughts on this? Yeah, probably because they don't know much about vitamin K2. You know, it's not, it doesn't cause clotting like vitamin K1. So, you know, if somebody's obviously on Coumadin, you know, and maybe even Eliquist, I, I'll tell them just to take the plain D3. But anybody else, including elderly people who are more at risk for osteoporosis, I tell them to take D with K. Um, you know, really elderly people have more of a problem with um, bleeding, not clotting. Uh, they bleed easily. Their skin gets thin. They're, you know, they hit their head. They're more likely to bleed. Yeah. Um, so that's exactly probably the opposite of what they should be telling them, in my opinion. So. They just don't know much about vitamin K except for what they use in the ER to stop, you know, bleeding when, when they have a bleeding dis- dyscrasia. But um, so I say keep taking a D with K yeah. uh, unless there's some weird reason why um, you're on a real potent blood thinner and on. But, you know, you, you want that vitamin D to be able to bring the the calcium into your bones, you know, not your arteries. So. Um, good question though. Good yeah. I question. love the D with the, the, the D with K questions because, um, you know, I, I think you're recommending that for, for anyone over the age of 40, 
40, probably. yeah, pro probably yeah. even 30. I mean, there's no harm yeah. in it, even if you're a kid, but um, you just need it more as you age. But I would say past 30, not 40. Okay. Um, All right. Thank you for that question. Came through email. Uh, here's another question through email. I know that hypothyroidism can cause elevated cholesterol, but should that still happen if the person is on levothyroxine? What's your thoughts? Not, not if you're adequately placed. That's an interesting question because it sure can cause way false elevations of cholesterol. I had a patient years ago who came in with a, a cholesterol of just out the roof, but I noticed their thyroid was also really tanked. They had no idea they had either condition, high cholesterol or hypothyroidism. So um, if you look and you know what you're doing with hormones, you correct the hypothyroidism and then their cholesterol will return to normal without anything else. So if they're getting adequately replaced with levothyroxine or any of the, the good thyroid medications, um, that's not my favorite, but uh, then the cholesterol will return to normal because it's falsely elevated. So always look into that. It's a great point. Saw a great case of that one time. I just could not believe it. Super um, interesting. Uh, what a great question. Thank you for sending that in. I hope that helps. Great answer there, Doc. Um, I'm going to go to, this is a narcolepsy question. Um, what would you recommend for someone diagnosed with narcolepsy? Currently taking Adderall and Sinose. Any of your new vitamins sat, uh, slash supplements? I know you deal a lot with um, shift worker syndrome. Um, yeah. You know, usually what I recommend for narcolepsy is provisional modafinil, but you really don't want to take that if you're taking Adderall. You just don't need two stimulants. I ran into that case today. Same kind of thing I saw on, you know, they have narcolepsy, but they're already on Adderall. So, um, you know, one, one of the things I'll sometimes do is, use L-tyrosine, that, that would be the, the supplement that I would use uh, for the, the natural supplement for ADD um, and maybe think about using that and substituting the ProVigil for Adderall. Again, a lot of it depends on what your goals are, which is worse, your ADD or your narcolepsy. I mean, uh, I've had pretty good success with uh, Modafinil, uh, Provigil, uh, just treating ADD with that as well. It's not quite as good as Adderall, but it's a lot easier because it's a, it's a class four drug, not a class two. So that's a really good question. So you could possibly do that. Um, you know, the other thing with narcolepsy that you might do if you're wanting to just use something natural for that um methylene blue you could definitely try methylene mm -hmm. blue yeah i really like methylene blue to to, to wake you up um uh, so there's a lot of little strategies around that but it's kind of complicated because you've got you're on a stimulant for your uh add so mm. um l-tryptophan sometimes i'll use uh l-tyrosine in the morning l-tryptophan at night but that's something that needs to be kind of fleshed out a little bit with you, it sounds like, you know, and determining what you really have. Um, Super interesting, really interesting question. 
thank you for uh, sending that in. That came in on on YouTube. Uh, real quick, I want to give a shout out. Josie, I see you. What's up? Uh, Robbie's with Rachel. Robbie, what's up, man? I miss you. Uh, let's see. Grandma Mary, love you. Love you so much. I'll see you here soon. Uh, Allison, I see you over at the Blake. What's going on? Uh, so many uh, familiar faces here tonight. Thank you all for hanging out with us. Um, we're going to keep going. If you have a question for Doc, go ahead and put it in the comments. We're going to get to every single one today. Um, let's go to this one. Um, in regard to Robbins, explain this video on red light. I have heard slash read that there are LED red light devices and laser red light devices. Do you think it matters which you use? Uh, this is referring to the explain this episode with Robin Riddle uh, on red light therapy on our YouTube channel. Uh, what's your thoughts on this? You know, I think that what you're talking about, most people use the LED red light devices. The lasers are more for, um, you know, skin procedures as far as that goes. I know, I think Kelly uses some of that. Um, she could probably answer that better than I can. But I know I use the, the LED light device in my infrared sauna. I always turn it on when I'm, you know, sweating in my sauna. So um, I think there's two different things you're looking at. The, the red light laser, I think, is more for, and Robin may correct me on this, but I think it's more for, like, procedures with skin, facial type stuff. Mm. You know, um, it's fun to hear uh, about all the benefits of red light therapy. Um, we're going to continue to dive more into that. Uh, so if you have questions around that, please uh, put it in there uh, in the comments. Um, let's keep moving here. Um, okay, this is a hormone question. I have in my notes that you like to see progesterone for a postmenopausal woman to be between one and two. Mine has been staying at 2.4 with my bioidentical hormone replacement for several months. Are you okay with 2.4? And there is a follow-up. Uh, I'll, I'll let you answer this first. Yeah, definitely. You know, I look at and more important than what the absolute number is, is what the ratio of, of uh, progesterone to estradiol is. I like it to be more of like eight to one area, maybe 10 to one. Um, and again, a lot of times I'll use, I'll dose the, progesterone based on symptoms as well. Uh, but you need it. Even if you don't have a uterus, you still need progesterone. Um, that's something a lot of people don't realize. Um, All right. We'll go to the second part of the question is also, I have noted that you like to see testosterone for a postmenopausal woman to be between 40 and 80. Mine has been in the 120s a few times. Would you be okay with that? Sure. What's your sure. Yeah. 40 is really low. Again, there's no normal. You may see a normal in the lab, but again, that's just not useful at all. But most of the women that I deal with hormones like it, 100, 80, mm. 100, 120. No, I mean, I have a few women that just work out like crazy, do a lot of weightlifting. They prefer it in the high 100s. Um, so unless you're having side effects like acne or hair growth, um, you know, I think it's fine. Yeah. But, you know, and again, hair loves estrogen, but it's not real fond of testosterone. So be careful if you start getting thinner hair at the higher doses of T. If you do, sometimes it'll put you on a little blocker to block down the uh, dihydrotestosterone. But there's a lot of strategies with that that we use that we use every day. 
Great question. Uh, love the context there. So I, I think this show's perfect for little things like that. If you just want to know kind of where where things are at, where they should be, uh, specifically when you know the normal versus optimal range comes into play, uh, we try to uh, give some context around what optimal looks like. Um, this question is: Do we still need to take magnesium daily, 300 milligrams, if our magnesium is right in the middle of the normal range at 2.1? I know you don't like normal ranges, but didn't know how else to ask this. I love this. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I usually do. I usually do. Really, to be honest with you, to get a really accurate measurement of magnesium in your blood, you really need to get an RBC magnesium, which is a special order. Even I wish the Cleveland did RBCs, but they don't. Uh, so I saw one today. I'd ordered a special um, RBC magnesium level. And it came back on the low side, whereas there on their Cleveland, it was, you know, you know, high normal. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you know, you're getting too much magnesium when you start having diarrhea. So 300 milligram is definitely not too much. Again, there's nine different types of magnesium. You have to look at the ones you're, you know, you're on. If you're, you know, if you're constipated, you want mag citrate in there, uh, maybe some mag oxide. But, you know, I prefer the glycinate, the malate the three and eight, those are the ones I like. And that's the one that's in my formula that I put, that I put together. So yeah, just better uptake in your brain. So there's different reasons for taking it, but no, that'd be completely fine with you. I think every adult really should take a magnesium supplement unless they have some, you know, some weird reaction from it, uh, like taking the wrong form of it. That's something that I've got to add. I, I, don't, I don't know why I'm not taking magnesium at night, um, but, uh, but I, I, I need to start. Um, thank you for this uh, question. Uh, Don, I see your question. I love that. Uh, Mark, I see your question on YouTube. We're going to get to that. It's a great question. Uh, Caesar, thank you for that. Lisa, what's up? Uh, good to see everybody in here. If you guys got a question for Doc, go ahead and put it in. We're getting ready to uh, get to the live portion of the show. Um, Let's go to this last question here. Uh, question goes, I have a friend who has only one kidney and a heart issue. Question is, due to the heart issue and the one kidney not getting much blood flow, their doctor has told them to eat as much sugary food as possible as this will help more blood flow to the kidney. Question is, have you heard of such a thing? That is uh, really interesting. I've never heard of a, a suggestion to eat more sugar um, unless, you know, maybe you're lightheaded or, or something. Uh, what's your thoughts on this? I've never heard of that. No, I've never heard of that. To me, it's bad advice, but I don't know why, why in the world that that would, <laughs> would be a good advice. Um, <laughs> I just cannot figure that one out. <laughs> wow. Well, so listen, if you, if you're talking to your doctor and you, you know, always ask why, don't just take it for granted that it's right. Ask why. Yeah. If they can't give you a good answer, don't believe them. Because to me, that's just, I can't see any reason why that would be effective. I mean, sugar is not good for your heart. It's not good for your kidneys. It's good for nothing, really. You know? Yeah. It, so it, it tastes good on top of a cupcake, maybe. That's about it. But, yeah. Uh, no, that, that is, I just it, don't see that. Uh, I do not see. ask them. Always ask for a reason. Yeah, that just does not make any sense to me at all. Yeah, you know, maybe there's some unknown reason, but I just I do not know why they would say that. 
interesting, uh, interesting uh, suggestion there. Uh, I, I'm with you. I've, I've never heard of um, eat more sugar <laughs> as a as a as a piece of advice in 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 the medical slash health world. Uh, but thank you for those questions. Uh, as always, you guys make this show so amazing. Uh, these questions came in throughout the week, uh, and we we certainly do appreciate it. it gets this uh, gets our uh, our blood flowing and gets us kind of uh, ready for the live portion, which is where we're at now. Um, so if you have a question for Doc, uh, go ahead and and put it in the comments. And one quick thing I will say is one of the best ways to use this time every week with with Dr. Rogers is 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 kind of learning how to talk to your doctor, uh, whether it be a specialist or your primary care. Um, or if you have another functional medicine uh, provider, um, you know, learning how to talk to your doctor is so important as, uh, you know, that question certainly indicates and the questions to ask. Um, all right, let's keep moving. Uh, where are we at here? Uh, are you ready for the life portion of the show? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, let's rock on. Uh, I'm searching for my questions here. I'm sorry. I'm scrolling through uh the comments um let's get to jack's question one of my guitar students had an insulin reaction during his lesson i got him some juice and he was okay but what concerns me is if he would have passed out i wouldn't have known what to do what's your thoughts uh, you're the perfect person to ask yeah. for this well um, first of all um, I just happen to have something right here that may help. This is my guitar hero. And so, you know, just start thinking about Jimmy, you know, bringing back from the dead because um, he was the greatest guitar player ever. I don't know why yeah. I have him sitting here, but I also have my, I also have my performance, pick. performance pick here. But so I love the guitar, Jack. I, you know, maybe I need to take a few lessons from you. I definitely yeah. probably do. I love but, it. Um, yeah, that's an interesting, you know, it'd be interesting to see. Was it a type one diabetic? I assume it was uh, probably a kid. So that's a very important question yeah. and you need to know what to do. That's why, you know, raising two type one diabetic kids myself, I know the answer to this because I've seen it happen several times. Um, get some sugar in them. You know, if worse comes to worse, type one. Okay. It makes sense. Um, so hopefully when you have a kid, especially that comes to you as a teacher or anything, they need that teacher needs to know this is a type one diabetic. You need to ask them, do you have a, a glucose pen here? Do you have some sugar pills? Um, so hopefully they do. Now that you have a type one diabetic, you need to get some glucose tablets. Yeah. And if you notice something strange and they say, I'm not feeling too good. You immediately put some, put one of those glucose tablets under their tongue. Um, or there's even paste you can rub in their mouth. It gets absorbed. If worse comes to worse, they're probably going to have a, a glucose pen with them that you just, you can't use it like an EpiPen. I mean, it just, you just punch it in their muscle and it's pure sugar and it wakes them up. But, um, you know, always think about if they're really starting to seize or something, call a 911. Um, but you can always assume that the sugar is low, not high. 
Yeah. Um, you're not going to over-treat a high sugar. So they're not going to go into DKA all of a sudden. So it's most likely going to be a hypoglycemic reaction. And again, you've got time. I mean, it's not, not like they're going to have a cardiac arrest or not going to. Your main concern is that they don't hit their head on the way down. So get them in the floor. You know, whenever anybody's in my office yeah. about to faint, and I can always tell if they're going to have a vagal reaction. You know, let's go. Let's lay down. You know, you cannot faint when you're laying down. Then I get the smelling salts out. Yeah. Uh, or you offer the nurse to get it. But um, but that's a great question and something everybody ought to know. So, um, you know, they're they probably have a pump. Their pump. They may not have eaten. You know, that's going to happen with little kids, especially. So you need to be prepared for that. Yeah. So tell them to warn you. Make sure they have some glucose tablets or some glucose paste. It's like a, a gel you just put underneath their tongue. It's really absorbed rapidly from their, their mucosa, and they'll pop out of it. Um, and worse comes to worse, hey, do you have a you have a, a glucose pen here just in case something happens? Uh, talk to their parents, etc. Um, but you've got time. The main danger of hypoglycemia in the type one diabetic is if they're driving and they go oh. out yeah. Um, because they're not usually just going to conk over. It's really not like a faint. It's more like uh, a slower advent of hypoglycemia, but I've seen it many times and it's really interesting. I was working at uh, for the football team every year. We did a fundraiser at the Bristol motor speedway Um to sell drinks and snacks to raise money for our football team. And one year I was sitting there and there's, there's this older man who's just staggering around in the hall. And I mean, and if you've been to those Bristol races, people yeah. get drunk there. I mean, they bring in these big coolers. I mean, there's a lot of drunks in there. And so this guy was staggering around, falling, getting up and everybody thought he was just drunk. So I went over to look at him, and he was a diabetic having a hypoglycemic reaction. So I got wow. him a Coke real quick, and even the police were there about to arrest him. Wow. And he was having a severe hypoglycemic reaction. He wasn't drinking at all. So after that Coke, he came back to normal. So that was yeah. really – so be aware of that. You know, uh, hypoglycemia is, is pretty common. He was a diabetic. And even adult diabetics can get hypoglycemic, especially if they're insulin dependent type two. Uh, that's a, a great point. Yeah. You know, I'm glad that you're prepared for that. Yeah. Um, especially, you, you know, as a, as a teacher, um, you know, that, that's the right incredible. Thing. Yeah. And Jack, you right thank thing. you for asking that. And, and one thing, you know, uh, send his parents or her parents uh, to the diabetes tour guide. Andy covers things just like this. Um, and one, just so they know that they're, you know, they're not alone. Um, and I think that's Andy's big message is, uh, you know, sometimes as a type one diabetic or as a parent of a type one di diabetic, as you know, um, sometimes you can feel like you're alone in it and, and it's not true. Um, sure. so, so definitely send him to the diabetes tour guide or their parents. Um, and, and that'll definitely help. And, and as somebody who's working with, you know, a type one, you know, it's good to educate yourself on, on some of these things. So yeah. thank you for you that come, You could save a life for that. And Jack, I don't know if you're the type of guitar teacher that's like that guy on Whiplash, the drum, you know, the, the uh, drum teacher, but maybe you're pushing him too hard, you know, throwing stuff at him. And, 
you know, just pushed him to hard where his fingers were bleeding and you were depriving him of nutrition. Maybe, you know, maybe you're being a little harsh as a guitar teacher. So if you haven't seen that, that movie, Jack, I'm sure you've seen it, but watch the movie Whiplash. That, that movie is just incredible to me. Um, Dad's been obsessed with Whiplash recently. Uh, that, that character is, is phenomenal. Uh, let's get to Josie here. Uh, Josie is asking, is there anything you could take for fluid in your ears other than antihistamines? Uh, I can relate, Josie. Uh, you know, this is something that happens to me every once in a while, um, and it's super annoying. Uh, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I guess you're talking about fluid in the middle ear. Um, you know, that is behind the eardrum. Um, and not fluid that's kind of draining out. Right. There's right. two different types. But, you know, actually the worst thing you can take for fluid in your middle ear is an antihistamine. Don't take an antihistamine. You get what we call a glue ear. It dries it up too much. So what you really need is something to open up that eustachian tube, like a decongestant, uh, Sudafed. Um, phenylephrine, they found that it doesn't work. So don't waste your money on that. They'll take it off the shelf soon anyway. They just found that out. But, or, you know, use, use Flonase. And if it's really bad, use a, two or three days of Afrin. That'll open you right up. Yeah. But I assume you're talking about middle ear where it clogs your eustachian tube up. Um, you know, fluid in the outer ear canal is a little bit different matter. But and I, we see that sometimes, too, with uh, external otitis. But... Um, that's a really good question though. Don't, don't, a lot of people think I'm going to take an antihistamine. Don't take an antihistamine for that. Mm. Uh, Josie, thank you for putting that in there. Uh, I see, uh, Carly's in here. Carly is so good to see you. Uh, let's see. Coal miner daughters, coal miner's daughter. What's going on? Great to see you. Uh, thank y'all for, for hanging out tonight. Uh, let's keep going. Um, where am I at? I apologize. I keep losing my spot. Um, Kathy, uh, what's up, Kathy? Uh, Kathy's asking, is saffron and saffurus the same thing? I don't know saffron. You know, saffuriel is the same thing, is a form of saffron. I'm not sure about saffurus. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Um, uh, but saffuriel is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A form of it. Yeah. But saffurus, I'll have to look that up. I'm not sure. Uh, All right, Kathy, we'll have to get back to you on that one if it's if it's Saphirus. Um, let's go to D. Lynn on YouTube. Uh, is there a good supplement that will assist Losartan for high blood pressure? I'm taking 100 milligrams and my blood pressure is all over the place. I've been walking and I've lost 15 pounds. Still need to lose more, but it's a start. Congrats, D. Lynn, on uh, losing 15 pounds. That's incredible. Um, what's your thoughts on the, the supplement with Losartan? Yeah. I mean, again, if you have essential hypertension that you need medication for Losartan or that class of ARBs, angiotensinogen receptor blockade are the best ones because they have the least side effects. I don't like lisinopril, um, for a lot of reasons, but, um, I do like the class of ARBs that Losartan is the most common generic one. So I do like that. Um, and again, a lot of people, their next step is to add HCTZ, but I do not like HCTZ, um, the diuretic. It's, it's inflammatory to your arteries. It lowers your testosterone. It screws up your electrolytes. Just avoid 
that kind of fluid pill. If you have to take a fluid pill for that, take something like spironolactone, way safer. And um, But as far as supplements, there's a lot of them. I like um, garlic a lot for that. There's a lot of other. I take a garlic supplement. I like um, hawthorn a lot. That's a good one. I've even had some pretty good success with berberine, especially if you have metabolic syndrome that, you know, where you, you have a lot, you have some insulin resistance as well. So, I mean, a lot of people think insulin resistance is the key to everything. Yep. As far as that metabolic syndrome, it probably is. Um, but yeah, try that garlic or uh, berberine, hawthorn, uh, and see see how you do on that. And again, I'm glad you're exercising and losing weight, get a good night's sleep, make sure you don't have sleep apnea. Um, and th those are really good things to do. Um, and monitor your blood pressure at home. It may not be high all the time like that. Because mm. sometimes when you go into a doctor's office, you have a little white coat hypertension. And, yeah. You know, it's, it's not real representative. Um, but yeah, start there and, and keep going with that. All right, Dylan, I hope that helps. I'm going to put this up here from Caesar. This is such a kind thing to say. I took Dr. Rogers' energy complex today, and it helped so much with keeping me focused and was able to get lots oh, of great. work done. That's awesome, Caesar. Thank you, Thank Caesar. You for... I appreciate that. Yeah, I love that supplement. Oh, one other thing about the hypertension, magnesium, of course. Oh. Uh, magnesium is great for blood pressure, lowering blood um, pressure. d uh, magnesium. Uh, I want to make sure d catches that. Uh, thank you, Caesar, for the kind uh, for the kind words. Uh, I'm going to get to uh, Mark's question. Uh, this is uh, super timely. Any thoughts on the latest Chinese pneumonia? A lot of conflicting conflicting information from government to medical sectors. The media has changed its name three or four times. Do you think uh, this is serious? Um, we don't know yet. From everything I've read, um, don't know yet. I mean, what they call it, white pneumonia, pediatric pneumonia now, I think they're calling it. They're not really sure. You know, they think it's probably mycoplasm, which is a very common bacteria that's harbored in the nose and throat of most people. So if you get a test for it, a blood test, they say, you've got walking pneumonia, my God. Well, most people test positive for that, whether they've had it or not. That's very, I talked to an infectious disease doc one time he says he never even checks a blood test for mycoplasm because it's always positive. It means nothing. Um, but, you know, um, so we don't know yet. You know, it doesn't seem to be a novel type of bacteria or virus that 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 I've seen. Again, what do you believe nowadays, especially coming out of China? You know, they're very they're non-transparent. So who knows? But, I mean, they've even reported some of similar things with kids in, in um, America. But I suspect it's some of the, the, the stuff that we've always known about anyway, like um, RSV or influenza. But one reason that, um, you know, of course, mycoplasm is responsive to Zithromax. And that's one reason I'm really easy to put somebody on Zithromax. And I don't worry too much about antibiotic resistance like a lot of people do. Interesting. I worry about it, but not, not like some people worry about it. And they won't ever give you an antibiotic until you're really sick. 
I tend to treat on the early side. That's why you know, most of my patients, if they ask me, I'll give them a prescription for a Z pack as a, or one out of the office for a take home, you know, maybe a savior trip to the hospital emergency room. As we learned with COVID, I really think Zithromax, I think it fights viruses. Mm. You know, that, that bacteria super infection gets on real quick. So mm. that's my, that's my philosophy just to experience. Um, Mark, thank you for, for asking that. I hope that that uh, helps helps some people here tonight. Um, let's go to Don's question here. Uh, what supplements would you recommend for a young lady at uh, 23 with lupus? What's your thoughts on this? Um, which is an autoimmune disease. I would certainly, um, first thing I look at would be the diet, you know, avoiding straightening out your gut, making sure that your gut's working well and maybe maybe the cause of your lupus or any autoimmune disease, it's usually coming from your gut. So I'd, I'd mm. focus on the gut health first. I'd certainly use something like Digest Shield, which covers it all, pre and probiotics, and digestive enzymes, lactase, um, chitosan. Uh, it just works great. It's my go-to. But um, So definitely supplements for your GI system. Uh, make sure, and all, all the, I like, for some of the other immune things, like my immune formula, quercetin and NAC, um, always the D, the B complex, the C. I mean, you need all the stuff I would tell anybody to take, especially somebody that's older, you know, it's your, you know, it's your young age. You need to take these, these good, just actually take our multi, which has a, crap load of stuff in it that's packed yeah. i think it's the best multi in the world i just i look at the ingredients and all what all the doses we put in it that's why i have to take three three smaller uh you know capsules but yep. um look at your gut really straighten your gut out you might even want to get a uh a gi map and map your microbiome out and along with some other stuff with Robin, um, you know, nip it in the bud, see if you can find something that will reverse this thing. Um, and again, with lupus, who knows if you have a lot, you may have lupus, I don't know, but so many people have a positive ANA and they really don't have lupus. So it's nonspecific. So, I mean, if you've seen a rheumatologist and they've done all these other tests on you and Hey, you have lupus and you have the butterfly rash, you have, all the other stuff you probably do have lupus um hmm. but you know interesting don i i hope that helps uh we're gonna keep moving here um we'll put kristen uh over on facebook uh kristen says thanks for for my armor jc office that's awesome thank you uh kristen um, it's working so well thank goodness thoughts on fasting i've been reading so many good things about it uh, Doc, what's your thoughts on, on fasting for Kristen? Yeah. You know, I just am reading a book too right now. I just ordered it and got it a couple of days ago. It's by Dr. Boz, not Dr. Oz, Dr. Boz. She's an internal medicine specialist in North Dakota who's really big on ketosis, but she talks a lot about fasting. I do think fasting can be a good thing for you. I really do. Um, you know, because it puts you into ketosis. And again, you can do intermittent fasting, which I try to do every day. 
Um, and I think it's really helped me. I don't eat past seven and I don't eat until lunchtime. And I think it's really helped me feel better. It certainly helped my gut. Um, along with digestion, just amazing, great thing for my gut. But um, so I like fasting. There's a lot of evidence that it's great for cancer prevention, cancer reversals. And uh, that's what Dr. Boz's book is, is about, is about, um, you know, curing cancer. And uh, I like uh, Dr. Seafried's uh, his research on fasting and ketosis as well for cancer. Um, and it's really good. I just ordered his, one of his books as well. And uh, because it seems like we get a lot of cancer patients coming to us, you know, that want, uh, in addition to the traditional treatment, they want some other things that um, will kind of pull out all the stops because if you have cancer, you need to. Mm. Um, and I want to, dissect these books and digest them and uh, do a podcast on both these books that are really just fabulous for, um, you know, working with cancer patients and overweight patients. Um, so, yeah, I, I do like fasting. Can you, you know? um, can, can you say those two books again? Uh, one more time. Uh, what, what book? Uh, Dr. Boz, Dr. Boz. I wish I had it sitting right here on my, Maybe Gentry will bring it down, but um, it's sitting on my, where I read all the time. Um, and then Dr. Seafried, S-C-Y-F-R-I-E-D. Um, and it's a book about ketosis. He, he has a lot of, as in relation to cancer, um, he has several different books. I think I ordered his latest one. It's not here yet, so I can't tell you much about it. But, you know, his theory is that a lot of, most people, are approaching cancer from the, you know, the wrong aspects. He thinks it's a metabolism problem. And there's no doubt that cancer loves glucose, yep. sugar, and the cancer also loves glutamine. And so you have to have, it's a non-essential amino acid, but you need some, if you blockade all your glutamine, you're going to kill your gut and hurt your immune system. So, he does a pulse press technique that I'll go into when I do do this podcast on it, but it's, it's pretty, it's a good deep dive, but I love fasting. I really do. You can do it. You know, it's in the Bible, you know, it's, it's, there's a reason yeah. why it helps people. Yeah. And uh, so I'm all for it. And again, you don't have to go on a 40 day fast. Um, there's a slowly ways of working into it slowly. Um, but I, th uh, I really think a 24 hour fast is, is good for about anybody. I've, yeah. the most I've done is 38 hours. It, um, on a, on a 24 hour fast, do you need to, you don't need to be monitored or anything like that. Uh, 24. That no. If you do it more than three days, you do okay. start looking at electrolytes and stuff like that. But, um, and again, when I say fast water, electrolytes, that type thing. Um, okay. But All really right. interesting. Stay tuned on that. Great question. Thank you, Kristen, for uh, for that question. I hope that helps. I'm going to put Lisa up here. Dr. Rogers, I've now lost 110 pounds. Man, uh, Lisa, that's incredible. That is incredible. We're so proud of you. Um, 
However, I feel something is catching up with me. Fasting for 23 hours with just a small amount of food daily on my thyroid or my thyroid or something is causing me to go into AFib and at other times high heart rates of sometimes over 150, sometimes with dizziness. Should I worry or change something in my regimen? What could be causing this? It seems that she's, um, she's fasting for 23, eating one hour of the day, um, which is, that's an intense intermittent fasting. Yeah, it is. Um, if you read Dr. Boz's book, that's what she does. She eats one meal a day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for some people though, it really strains their system. So I'd probably, I mean, if there's no other explanation, um, I think about maybe going down to two meals a day within a six hour window. But if you have AFib, certainly you need that worked up. I mean, AFib can cause strokes. And for some reason, we're seeing a lot of AFib. Mm. I think a lot of it may be related to COVID, uh, maybe even the jab, either one. But we see a lot of AFib now, way more than we used to see. I think there's a lot of triggers. I've seen stress trigger, lack of sleep. Um, I've seen sleep apnea cause it. Uh, along with hypertension, but you need to make sure nothing structurally is wrong with your heart. You need an echo, of course. You need halter, and, you know, it depends on how much. You may need an Apple Watch to kind of monitor how often you're going into AFib. You need a blood thinner. The main danger of AFib is is stroke from blood clots, yeah. from blood not circulating in that atria. So needs a workup for sure. Could be a lot of triggers. Um but, you know, atrial fibrillation itself doesn't kill you, but stroke could, could, it's right. stroke could be terrible. So uh, make sure you get that worked up properly with a doctor who knows what they're doing, like a cardiologist. Um, uh, but yeah, interesting. Now we're seeing a lot of AFib, but if you think that it, it could be caused by doing that 23 hour fast every day, and again, always check your thyroid too. You know, fasting can definitely throw your thyroid off a little bit. Mm -hmm. I don't know what other medications you take or, you know, and of course, if you've gotten your electrolytes out of balance, I could flip you into that. So it needs a workup. And I would suggest maybe being a little bit easier than the 23 hour fast, uh, mm -hmm. maybe. Uh, Lisa, I, I hope I hope that helps. Uh, it's a great question. Keep us posted with how you're doing. Uh, super proud of you for uh, for, for losing 110 pounds. I know you're off, uh, insulin now, which is incredible. Um, so thank you so much for, for putting that in there. Uh, we're going to keep cheering you on, um, and, and keep us posted with, with, with how you're feeling. Um, I'm going to get to one other, uh, one other thing that I will tell you that it's been in the news recently that, um, if you take omega O threes and you're prone to AFib, it could make it worse. So my suggestion to anybody in AFib is probably not to take fish oil right now. Interesting. Um, yeah. I, you know, at um, least in high doses, that was only found, I think two grams or more, but a lot of people take pretty good doses of, uh, omega three. So just keep that in mind. Okay. Uh, and we'll keep talking about AFib since, you know, we're starting to see more of it. We'll keep, uh, educating around it and things to do. Um, so thank you, Lisa, for, uh, for putting that in there. Uh, coal miner's daughter over on YouTube is seeing, uh, or, or is saying, uh, been seeing advertised programs for limbic system rewiring. Um, any thoughts on effectiveness or is it even evidence-based? Um, I've heard a lot about li limbic system stuff, um, being super healthy for you. 
um, I don't know what rewiring would be. I, when I think of limbic system, I think of the, the things that kind of, you know, shake you. <laughs> Is that what a, uh, helps with your limbic system? I don't know about that. The limbic system is a is a neuro pathway that uh, controls different parts. It, it's kind of a tie in between sympathetic and parasympathetic, I think. But I don't know what the rewiring thing is. I have to. That's interesting. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start looking at that. I don't know. I'll do my research on limbic system rewiring. I do think you can rewire your brain. I really do. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, for sure. And without you know using things like SSRIs and, you know, uh, norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors and dopamine agonists and things like that. But uh, interesting. Yeah, we'll, we'll try to look at that. Interesting. Uh, Coal miners die. We will uh, make note of limbic system rewiring and do some more research. Uh, thank you for putting that in there. While I'm thinking about it, Ben, did somebody ask us a question last week or the week before about Vra that medicine Vralar, which I knew nothing about? Do you remember that? Yes. Yes, I do. Yes, I you do. Know, I don't know who asked it, but I did look it up. And the reason I didn't know anything about it is because I don't use it. It's it's one of those psych medicines that's used for people with schizophrenia and maybe bipolar one. It's a heavy hitter psych medicine that can cause a lot of side effects. I'm not saying it doesn't work. It probably can. But it's along the, the same lines as some of the other heavy hitters that people use for schizophrenia. I just mm. don't. Usually they see a psychiatrist, so I'm not a user of that medication, so I'm not an expert. It did say it could cause a lot of side effects, um, a lot of GI side effects, weight gain is the one you think about, too. Um, but uh, interesting. Thank you for uh, for bringing that up, and I, I hope um, that listeners here, uh, thank you for clarifying that. Vrailer, I, I do remember that question coming up. Is it Vrailer? Vraylar. Vraylar. With a V, uh, Vraylar. Yeah. All right. Let's get uh, to Bianca's question over on uh, Facebook. Uh, I just read something that said to take your K2 several hours after your D. I thought they go together, um, especially if they are in the same supplement. What was this just bogus info that I read? Um, that's interesting. So, you know, we talk a lot about the timing of vitamins. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't think it makes a difference. I've read the same thing and I, I couldn't find any substantial evidence that really it made a difference. Uh, so I think as long as you get it, both of them in, I think it's fine. Um, okay. you know, so I really don't think it's going to make a big difference. Any, I don't think it makes any difference. All right. Thank you, Bianca, for putting that in there. Let's get to, to Max. Um, what tests do I need to do to find out the root cause of chronic inflammation? Um, what's your what's your thoughts on this? I know you deal with inflammation every day. Well, you don't know what your what your symptoms are, but you know the test I would do. I would think first when I think chronic inflammation, I think gut, and so I would do a GI map. You know, if you have chronic inflammation, more than likely you've got some gut issues. And so that's the first thing I would, you know, address is the gut. Now, if you want to know the level of inflammation out there, are several tests. We have four of them on the Cleveland panel, like the uh, HSCRP, um, myeloperoxidase, oxidized LDL. You may even want to get a SED rate done. But if you have a lot of joint arthropathies, then I start 
you know, pursuing the rheumatologic test, like, you know, is it RA, lupus, uh, Sjogren's, uh, things like that. But um, so a lot of it depends on, um, and also look at, sometimes I'll look at food allergies. Because like I said, a lot of, it's usually inflammation starts in the gut, most likely. Um, and other things can inflame you, like um, heavy metal toxicities. Um, like I said, food allergies, um, any kind of toxicity um, yeah. from pesticides to inflammatory foods like sugars and um, dairy and soy and glutens and sometimes um, even things that are like nightshade vegetables and things. So look at the gut first and, and get yeah. some basic tests to check how inflamed you are and go from there. Great uh, question. Max, yeah, Max, thank you so much for putting that in there because it's, it's, it's something we're all thinking about. Uh, inflammation is that, you know, kind of that buzzword in, you know, the health and wellness community. And, uh, and it kind of all starts at what inflammation. I think we've said is, you know, root cause of most every disease. Um, so thank you. I'm going to put this up for Max just to give you some context. The highest I saw a test, I saw test results was 58 started Symponia a D came down to 14. So 29. Is that, um, does that make sense? I don't to you, know. Doc? I don't know what, what result was a 58 and 29. I'm not sure. Well, are you vitamin D you mean? Is that vitamin D you're talking about? So I don't know. I really, I don't know what you were specifying there. Having a hard time. Um, what we'll do, what we'll do, Max, is we're going to answer a few more. Oh, he says CRP, CRP. Oh, oh, yeah, that's a pretty high CRP. Yeah. Um, interesting. You started Samponi. I don't know. I don't know how that would work. Um, I have to, I'm about to look Samponi up. I'm not, I don't use that medicine or supplement, whatever it is, and see why hmm. uh, max we'll do a little more uh research there and we'll uh we'll hopefully help a little bit more uh next week with your with your question but i want to get to uh emily's question because i know this is something that um you know a lot of people uh go through and and uh and are, you know the whole breast cancer and and hrt thing is a is a big topic um emily's saying hi i'm a triple negative breast cancer survivor i'm intrigued if you have any suggestions about HRT, hormone therapy, even though I was triple negative, I did have 11% progesterone positive, less than 15 is considered negative. After a total hysterectomy, I'm struggling with hot flashes as well as depression and fatigue. Uh, Emily, thank you for putting this in here and, um, you know, cause I know you're, you're not the only one. Yeah, that's, that's a congratulations on, yeah. on surviving a triple negative. Um, I know many of them that have survived it, but that's a great deep question. I don't think anybody's probably going to treat you with hormone therapy except testosterone therapy, uh, which may be great for you. I mean, do your research on using testosterone pellets for breast cancer survivors. Again, supposedly your breast cancer is not, doesn't matter if you use them because you're hormone negative, but that, that's still, a, you're opening up a can of worms with that because there's negative and then there's 11% positive. So you probably have a similar number on your estrogen receptors. So, um, you know, 
Um, certainly, I would look at testosterone therapy. I mean, a lot of people wouldn't treat you with it, but I would. I mean, unless there was some reason that I came up with it, I wouldn't. I've treated many with that, even that were EMP positive. Um, and I, while looking, you know, when I put anybody on testosterone, I make sure they don't aromatize to estradiol. But um, so I'm not. I'm not afraid of following somebody with testosterone, especially the pellet form seems to be best with that. Um, but I think testosterone is just a great hormone. At all the hormones, that's the one that makes you feel the best. And, you know, there could be, you could be depressed for other reasons. You could be tired for other reasons. Um, and I'm sure you're probably having some, I don't know how old you are, but you may be having some hot flashes and, things like that after your total hysterectomy. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you just say you are, but um, so I would think about testosterone. I really would. Um, there's things that can help hot flashes too, that are natural, like 34. Okay. Um, like evening primrose oil. That's probably my favorite. Um, you know, I like your curmin for it. Um and, you know, believe it or not, some people use SSRIs in that case, and it does seem to help hot flashes as well. Um, so I wouldn't be opposed to using a really low dose of an SSRI hmm. on you. Um, but it, it, it's worth fleshing out, you know, checking where all your labs are. You should, if you have come in and get a Cleveland heart panel and look at everything. Um, and... You know, look at diet, you know, what, what all you're eating, um, you know, how far out are you from the, from your breast cancer? And, uh, but yeah, you should do well. There's, there's ways to treat you for sure. Mm. Uh, but you're going to have to have somebody that knows what they're doing with hormone therapy. Um, yeah. but I think probably the other thing you can do is, you know, get routine Myers cocktail or get some IV vitamin C. Um, I'm, I'm still big on fembendazole. Started, yeah. I started a breast cancer patient on it today. Um, so there, there's a lot of stuff you can do. But it's going to require sit down, fleshing out of things, some blood work, and talking and seeing where you're at, you know, yeah. with all that. I Emily, I hope that helps. Um, we have a couple of uh, videos uh, up on our YouTube channel. You can check them out uh, tonight if you want to around fenbendazole as well as uh, I think it's I think it's titled breast cancer and hormone therapy uh, where Doc goes into detail around uh, testosterone and, and, and breast cancer survivors. Um, but thank you so much for being here and thank you for that question. Yeah, well, I'd love to see you if you live around this area. Yeah, I'd love to yeah. see you as a patient. Um, yeah. Yeah, Emily, thank you for being here. Um, guys, I think that is, I'm going to put this up from Kristen uh, because I love when uh, when you guys, you know, make these suggestions like this and uh, you guys have so much uh, knowledge that's working for you. And um, Kristen saying, if you get a chance, look up Dr. Pradip Jamnadas, a famous cardiologist about fasting. He claims seven-day water fast kills cancer cells and can produce HGH, also cures chronic illness. Mm -hmm. He also talks about small fast and benefits, three, yeah. five-day cleanses. That's awesome. 
That's a great way to get your HGH up. Is uh, I was reading about that last night, not with uh, him, but uh, about fasting can really increase. It can triple your growth hormone levels. Um, wow. So, wow. HGH is kind of the fountain of youth, but you got to be real careful with uh, using real HGH because it can cause a lot of problems. Now, that's why we use a lot of uh, ipamorlin, somorlin, and things like that. That's why I use it to boost my HGH up a little bit. Hmm. Uh, but great point. Exactly right. Very good. Kristen, thank you for that. Uh, guys, I tell you what, this has been such a, a fun show. Uh, like I, like I said before, this is, oh, oh, there we go. There's, there's my man right there. There's JP got married the other day to his, uh, beautiful wife, Lauren. Uh, there's a picture of us at the, at the, uh, reception there. Thank you. Uh, thank you team for putting that up there. Uh, JP, congratulations. Yes. You're just in a beautiful spot in the world. Just enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that team. Because it's uh, cold gonna... and rainy here, Ben. Very cold and rainy. Uh, let me see. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna close it out. Thank you, team, for that. Um, oh, there we go. There we go, um, guys. Thank y'all so much. What, what, how did we do? What, what, was it a uh, was it a ten? I, I see that uh, D Lynn's giving us a ten. Thank you, thank you, Pop Man. Well, you did. I, you did. I'll incredible. give you. A, I'll give you a ten tonight. You you got some kind of energy about you. Maybe it's the Australian. <laughs> Maybe it's because it's ten in the morning there. Yeah. And it's eight at night maybe, here, you know. Maybe because I, I just had I just had some coffee. Uh thank you, Emily. Uh thank you, Bianca. Uh Carly, I see you're in here. I hope your kids start to feel better, man. I'll be praying for your kids. Um, I know that's no fun. I'll be thinking about you and your family. Um Carter, I see you. So good to see you. I can't wait to uh see you guys in person uh soon. Montana, I can't wait to see you. Uh over there in West Knoxville. Thank you. So good hey, to see you. Ben, guys. These, these are some guys that miss you a lot too. Hey, I, I miss these too. I miss these too. Kelly, bring bring uh Izzy over here. Is Kelly we've over there? Kelly, we've got Kelly over here making Kelly, some Christmas up? stuff. And... <laughs> hey. There's Izzy. <laughs> Look at that. I love it. I love it. Uh, I miss yeah, you guys. I miss you. Um, we're getting dad. We're getting, we're getting tons of 10. Steve giving us a 10. Marty's giving us a 12 plus oh, Marty. I love wow. you. So good to see you. Um, Sherry, Cherry, Linda. What's up, Michelle? Thank you. You guys are the best. Y'all make this show great. Um, doc, thank you so much. That was in, that was incredible. Man, be safe. Love you. And we'll see you soon. Okay. All right. Love you, pop. Love you guys. I'll see you guys in a bit. We'll be back uh, uh, Tuesday, 7 p.m., the, the Performance Messaging Show. Uh, we'll be back next week. If you, if you want your question uh, featured, go ahead and email me, ben at performancemessing.net. We'll get it on next, next week's show. If I miss somebody, uh, we'll kind of have the team comb through the comments and make sure I didn't miss anything. Uh, we'll put it on the show first thing next week. All right, guys. We're out of here. Pop, love you, man. Love you. All right. I'll see you guys here in a bit. Where's my outro? Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.